give everybody some type of a framework in which to understand how everything basically seems to fit based on a divine agenda. That's really what it's all about. That this isn't just chance, you know, and uh, everybody's just doing what they do, just happens to be there. But there's an incredible divine agenda plan that is what's called incessantly trying to bring the end. We don't realize that. But the Ramayana wants to bring the end desperately. It's hard to say desperately to the Ramayana, but that's his... Um, uh, that's it. In fact, you, the, uh, I'll talk about it more next week, but there's a medrash, it's really a yalkut, where the Ramayana, where it says that the Ramayana is metzapeh for the Yeshua. You know what metzapeh means? He looks forward. You know what that means? Look forward, anticipates. It's like you, t- you tell a 10-year-old kid, you know, we're going to Disney World. So wow, right? I mean, whatever turns these guys on, you know? That's anticipation with bated breath. And the Rabbanim is, uh, is, is, is uh, waiting for that. That's what he wants, you know? In any case, um, I need to start to shear off um, uh, with these ideas. When a person distorts reality about who he is, that's called uh, arrogance ego-driven or whatever. But there are different levels of ego where a person distorts reality in terms of who he thinks he is. The worst level is called megalomaniac. Megalomaniac is delusional. He thinks he's the only one that exists. Although he knows there are other people, but it's, it's almost a delusion. It's almost like I'm the only one that is, period. That's psychotic. There are a few people in history that were megalomaniacs. And so on. So that's the f- one level of like grandiosity. Like the level of a child. Um, <coughs> uh, no, actually, that is the level of an infant. They are megalomaniacs. The thing is, they're not psychotic. That's normal for an infant. It's only later on when he realizes that he's not the only one around that he begins to what's called curtail his delusional thinking and it becomes realistic. But anyway, that's part of growth, by the way. The realization that I'm not everything, that there's a lot of others out there, you see. In Kabbalah, it's called Moichen. Moichen in Kabbalah means consciousness, awareness. And the whole tachas of the Bria is to develop Moichen, or, or greater and greater consciousness of reality. And one of the greatest of all consciousnesses or awarenesses is the awareness that what? That I am zero, and inu milvadoi. The Dura is everything. But that takes time. But it's funny how an infinite infant starts. He starts with, I am everything. Uh, you know, the first beginning, because he doesn't see an other, and so on. And slowly uh, he begins to, as they say, curtail or restrict his, his, uh, the abnormal view, which for him is normal, obviously. And he begins to see the concept of other, and finally, hopefully, with the introduction, introduction <coughs> of Torah and Yiddishkeit and so on and so forth, he begins to see that I am zero, I started out thinking I was the only, and now I realize I'm nothing. That's really the growth pattern. It should be the growth pattern of humans. That's what the Buddhism wants. But anyway, so that's what a megalomaniac is. Okay. Then we have what's called an egomaniac. It's not too far behind, but it's a little better. An egomaniac is somebody who says that it's, you know, there are others that exist, but basically they're all subhuman. You know, I'm the only normal guy. I'm the only mensch. I'm the only one. Everybody else is fundamentally behemoths or subhumans. 
<clears throat> you know, again, that's that's obviously that's extreme gaiva or arrogance. So that's it's the concept. Not it's not no, it's not psychotic. Unfortunately, it's not psychotic. Uh, but believe me, it borders. Um, so he thinks everybody else is not. The, it's not that I'm superior. It's subhuman. Okay, that's ego, ego, mean um, ego maniac. Then you have an egocentric. It's all interesting description. <coughs> the egocentric says that, nah, of course, I mean, I exist and you exist, right? You're not subhuman. But I want to tell you something. You, the only rationale for your existence is to serve me. I am the center. You know, and as I admit you, I admit you exist and you're not subhuman, you're human. But your whole kachas, your whole purpose in life is to serve me. You see? That's your worth. Okay? That's egocentric, which is pretty bad. Although it, what's interesting that you find by Azai, you know, that a person can say, Bishwili nivroilom. You know, you have the concept, you know, that sounds like an egocentric. Uh, but the truth is that it's true. Uh, that is, a person who does the Rotsan uh, Habore can say that people are used to serve him because that's what the Barasham does. Not that because he is superior, it's because he's doing the Rotsan Habore. Therefore, people serve him. The Barasham uses many th- people or nations to serve the Jews. Does that mean they're egocentric? Of course not. It's because they are special, number one. And number two, because they do his ruts and they do the mitzvahs. Therefore, they are privileged and they deserve to be served by others. See? But it's more a matter of merit than it is of anything else. What's that? Well, no, servant. No, well, it's ser- that doesn't mean they're not your servants. No. But, yeah, yeah. But what it means is that a great deal of what they do is in your, in your service or benefits you. And that's why it is. That's egocentric, but when a person thinks that way, obviously it's not very normal because he thinks everybody, because I am, you know who I am? You see, the, the Jews are egocentric, but in a normal way, because the Bosham said, I choose you. So like, what else are we supposed to believe? It's not because we think we're special because we are great. It's because the Bosham chose us and therefore we know we're great. I mean, what are we supposed to think, you know? If we're a prince of a king, we, we, we're his prince, that's why we're great. You see what I'm saying? And the second reason why Jews are great because they, hopefully, by and large, they do the will of God. That, that's why. It's not because they are be'etzem. Although, really, once they were chosen, then they are greater because the Muslim gave them the neshama, and the neshama is infinitely greater than the neshama of other people. I don't want to get into that. But anyway, it's, a, it's another derrick and so on. But, uh, so that's concept of egocentricity. Okay? Then there is the egoist. <clears throat> the egoist is a person that says, hey, I'm much greater than you, you know? I mean, he admits that they are great people, but usually compared to most people, I'm much greater. It's Balgaiva. It's a classic Balgaiva, arrogant person, the concept of an egoist, okay? And then we get to the concept called an egotist. What's the difference between an egoist and an egotist? It's the T in egotist, because he's always talking by himself. You ever meet people, you know, it's, an egotist is really an egoist that just can't stop talking about it. Got it? So the T means talking, you know. Uh, you ever meet guys that, it's funny, all they talk about is themselves. It's like, it's like, of course they admit you exist and so on, but they are so enamored of themselves, they just do not stop talking about themselves. You see, or they're always trying to promote themselves in a very strong way. Uh, and then there's the most subtle form of gaiva, which most people do not realize, but it is gaiva, if you really want to understand. 
It's called self-complacency. Where a guy says, you know, <clears throat> I'm human, you're all human, you all serve yourselves, not just me. You know, we're all in the same pot, in that sense, you know. We're equal. However, I am somebody. I am somebody. I'm entitled to my will. That's the subtlest form of distortion of self. Why? You think, why, why is that? When a guy says, you know, I want to do something, you know, because I am something and I am entitled to my will, he's not arrogant. He's merely declaring his self that he can do whatever he wants. That's the subtlest form of gaiva, and that's why, because it's keneged inoignovadoi, keneged real anivas. Those are the different levels, six levels of gaiva, and fundamentally they are all assume that you are something. When we know inoignovadoi means you're nothing, you're zero, like what Moshe Rabbeinu said, what are we? Zero. You know, I think if you realize how zero you are, you probably have a heart attack. But the problem is, in order to have a heart attack, you have to be somebody. You see, it's a contradiction in terms. But anyway. Um, a psychotic is somebody that does not recognize reality for what it is. He left reality. And there are different ways of leaving reality, and there are different uh, severities. Some people, more, hallucinations, for instance, are psychotic. Because, you know, you hallucinate about things that are not there. Whatever those hallucinations are, auditory, visual, and so on. Delusions, which are paranoid. You know, I think I am a Shiach. A guy can say, that's delusional. Uh, words, a psychotic leaves reality because of what he hears and sees or senses. A paranoid leaves reality because of what he believes. It's just not true. And he actually believes, I am God, I am Messiah, you know, I am the, uh, you know, the... Uh, I told you the, 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 you know, the, the difference in, uh, in paranoia, delusional paranoia, you know. Like I once went into an insane asylum. And, uh, you know, whatever, take a tour. <coughs> so he, here's a guy saying, do you know I'm, I'm Messiah? I'm a Mashiach. I don't, a guy out of one of the cells. I told you this job, didn't I? Ah. So he says, uh, you yeah, know, I'm the Messiah. <coughs> so you look at the guy and, you, of course, you smile. You know, after obviously never the guy is sick because he thinks he's Mashiach, you know. Meanwhile, he sees another guy a couple of rows down and a couple of cells down. The guy's laughing. So he walks over to the guy and he starts talking to him. Remember, this is the psychotic ward. Everybody's out of it. So he says to the guy, who are you? I said, my name is. Wow, sounds okay, you know. So, uh, <coughs> so the guy, so he asks this guy, well, why are you laughing at what the other guy said, that he's the Messiah? He says, he's God, but he's not the Messiah. It's ridiculous. Wow. He's impressed. So he asks him, you know, how do you know he's not the Messiah? Because he is wondering, what in the world is he doing in his ward? So the guy said, how do you know he's not the Messiah? He says, how could he be the Messiah? I'm God. I never made him the Messiah. <laughs> anyway, this is all delusional in terms of what people think. You know, anyway. Uh, why do I mention this? these different ideas because there's something that I want to retract I want to retract uh, and I want to retract something which I had said five weeks ago six weeks ago about what I thought about Donald Trump I mentioned the term that I make megalomaniac or egomaniac but the truth is after thinking about it and, and witnessing different things whatever uh, I, I want to retract that statement publicly and that's why I'm doing it you know 
he's not a megalomaniac. He is not egomaniac. He's not egocentric, really. He has other problems, but it doesn't border on this type of distortion of self. He does have a tremendous desire to promote himself. There's no question about that. So in a certain sense, I don't know if, uh, he probably thinks he's superior. I don't know by how much, but not much. But he clearly is an egotist. He always needs to promote himself. We well, obviously, because why would a guy put his name on so many different things? He has, he has a drive or desire. Whatever that drive or desire comes from, it obviously comes from extreme insecurity. You know, so he always has to make sure that he's somebody, so he's got to promote his name all over the place. But without getting into a psychoanalysis here, uh, I, on the contrary, I feel in many ways that Donald Trump is a good person. I know a lot of people disagree with me, as far as I'm concerned. They don't know what they're talking about. He's a, he's a good person. He has faults, don't we all? He's a good person. Uh, he's upstanding. And he's normal. He's a normal businessman that tries to get ahead. And that doesn't mean he hasn't manipulated people or he hasn't done whatever they do in business. Everybody does that, you know. Uh, but it's, it's in a normal way. The only problem with him, obviously, he's always trying to promote himself in some way. But really, in many ways, he does recognize people. I think he's very good to people. I'm convinced of that. I think he's very fair. Uh, in many ways, I think he'll be a great president. As far as I'm concerned, I think he will be president for the reasons that I've mentioned. So I want to retract that, and I want to say that I believe that he's a decent, good person, and he will do great things for America, as I mentioned previously. So I wanted to have the uh, tshuva and charata, because uh, you know, I realized I, I'm wrong on that, you know. Uh, and so on. And I think the world uh, makes a tremendous mistake on who he is. Uh, I think a lot of it is promoted by jealousy. One, they're incredibly jealous of him. He's a, he's a world-known celebrity. I mean, he's incredible. And he's also obviously very wealthy. Uh, so there's an enormous amount of kino. It's always like that. You know, and so on. <clears throat> the problem with him, he's very outspoken. Very outspoken. And people don't like that. And he's very outspoken about ideas that they they don't want to know. Look, most people hide from the truth. That's the, that's the MS. They're into incredible denial. Uh, and he's very outspoken. Does that mean he's not wrong sometimes? Of course he could be wrong. Maybe he could even be hypocritical, where he himself does exactly what he said should not be done. But he's normal. We all, we're all hypocrites on some things. Everybody has skeletons in the closet, right? And, and so on. There's no, no, like it says, you know, ain't sadik borotz shiyasta No such thing. You know, and, and so on. But I think, in, in really, I think he's really a decent person. I think he's very honest, very outspoken. I think he has a lot of integrity, uh, and he has a lot of great qualities. He's he's, uh, <coughs> he's dynamic, and what's beautiful about him is a real leader. It's an Emerson leader, and I think in the end that's what makes him so popular. He's a leader. People realize that, and he will get things done. Anyway, I want to just have, put that down for the record. Okay, listen. We all make mistakes. Uh, in any case, so that is the uh, second thing that I want to speak about. Third thing I want to mention. Um, the interesting thing about Trump, since this is a share of current events, okay. The interesting thing about Trump, I find interesting. <clears throat> Nobody knows exactly how the Bolshevism is going to bring the Gula. It's a secret. It's unknown. Obviously, for many reasons. One of the primary reasons is because of Kitrugim. Because if the Russian reveals how he's going to win the Gula, guess what? The Sutton is, is he's the first one in Besden trying to stop it. 
because that's the end of the sudden. So because of the Kitrugan possibility, the Rebbe always has to be Behester. And the whole concept of all the people that were Mashiachs, clearly were Behester, because of the, the sudden got wind of who they were, there would have been tremendous Kitrugan to stop the advancement of Mashiach. I see that many, many times. You see that the birth of Rus was through Zimo. The birth of Dovra Melech was supposedly through Zimo, which is a whole story, you know. Uh, the whole concept of, uh, of uh, Rus and Boyaz, wow, I mean, you know, guy, he died the, the next day, and he was with her, although he didn't touch her and so on. Again, the concept of Zimo, and so on. There's a lot of reasons, and the light. Tomer, yes, Yehudin Tomer, classic. Loit and his daughters, classic. I mean, and not Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was dying <coughs> at the time they were killing Jews. So the Sultan was busy being Makatrik on Jews and let Moshe Rabbeinu slip right down. There's it, it always something going on to conceal the whole concept of Mashiach. Again, really to avoid uh, Ketrugim, which are prosecutions in heaven. Uh, Therefore, I had mentioned that, I believe, the, the gematria I mentioned that of, of, of uh, Donald Trump is Mashiach and David. Now, wow, what does that mean? Okay, look, of course not, he's not the Mashiach, for obvious reasons, and so on. But, um, but I do believe something. When you take a look at mankind, seven and a half billion people, you know what I'm saying? Most of them are not evil. Not, mankind isn't an evil. They make mistakes. Everybody has to survive and they struggle. I mean, look at, Amer look at America. Most of America is decent. They're good people. They are good people. They want to do good. The problem with them is that their leaders are destru destructive uh, and so on. Or um, whatever, there are, there are so many different ways of going astray. But when you look at the nature of man or the nature, certainly, I, I believe, of American citizens, Americans are good-natured. They're, in many ways, good-hearted. Listen, they give more foreign aid to any, every country in the world than all the other nations combined. And if the American citizens didn't want it, then Congress couldn't do it. So uh, Americans are really, in that sense, very good. You know, uh, Does the Bush want to destroy America because of a couple of terrible people that in introduced incredible amoral or, uh, or anti-moral policies? like Arthur Kennedy of the Supreme Court that muttered uh, same-gender marriages and muttered uh, actually uh, uh, the whole concept of anti-discrimination against gays. So America should it, and what is it supposed to do? You know, or because of a guy like Obama that's trying to destroy America and now everybody can use the same bathroom or whatever this guy's doing and so on and so forth. You know, it's not likely that the Russian wants to destroy America. If Hillary becomes president, she will destroy America. There's no doubt about that, because she's a, she herself is incompetent. She's she's uh, uh, incredibly ignorant, incredibly arrogant, and an unbelievably ang angry person. I mean, when you hear people testify about who she was in the White House, a shudder runs down your back. Uh, you want this as president, but besides that, she's going to increase the debt. America owes 19 trillion dollars. You have no idea what 19 trillion dollars. What 19 trillion dollars is? I'll tell you. You know what a trillion dollars is? It's a number. You know? It's a number. You know, my neighbor, you know, I'm worth a million, let's say a guy says. My neighbor's worth a billion. The other guy's worth a trillion. It's like, what does that mean? I will tell you. Imagine if you have $100 bills. You remember I once told you this? If you have $100 bills, yes, and you stack it up, 
to make a million dollars. $100 bills, stack it up to make a million dollars. How high is the stack? Never tried? You're waiting for your first million, huh? I'll tell you. A stack of $100 bills to equal $1 million is 40 inches. 40 inches. Now you can go home and measure how far you are away from the 40 inches. Okay, got that? 40 inches, okay? Now, however, a stack that's $1 trillion, not a million or a billion, $1 trillion. How high is that? So I said that a million dollars is how much? 40 inches. A trillion dollars, you know how far high a trillion dollars is? 674 miles. Let me repeat that for those of you in shock. <laughs> 674 miles of hundreds. Now, imagine 19 of those. That's 19 times almost 700 miles. That's like, that's incredible. You see, and that's what America owes. And that's what we think they owe. They really owe much more. It's called unfunded securities, right? Because they stole all the money in Social Security. There's nothing there. All there is is a note of IOU saying to Congress, we owe Social Security, you know, whatever trillions of dollars. Well, this is a joke. It's a galactor, you know? So they owe all that money back to Social Security. So they, they say the unfunded liabilities of America borders on $75 trillion. $75 trillion, yeah. I mean, you know. Let me ask you this. If you want to understand what that means, What's the total wealth of the, of, of the world? Anybody know? If you added everybody's bank account, right? And maybe everybody's whatever, a lot of things worth money. If you, if you added, right? Everybody's bank account, everybody's income, everybody's savings, whatever. How much would it be worth? What is the accumulated wealth of the planet? You know what it is? $250 trillion. It's a lot of money, because you can see. And we owe 75. Right? Hillary will just accelerate that process. Not only that, she will destroy America's unity, because she's coming out for black, you know, black lives matter, which is absurd. All lives matter. Just because there are a couple bad apples in the pie, or you know, in the basket, like uh, bad cops. So how do you condemn the entire police force? It's insanity. More than that, it's auricious. You know why? Because guess what's happening? Cops are saying, hey, I'm not going to go in there and enforce the law, and then all of a sudden I'm going to have to shoot somebody because he's going to attack me, and then I'll be hauled into court? What do I need this for? Let him jump in the lake. And meanwhile, crime is increasing in many cities because the cops are not coming. That is the beginning of the end of society. We don't realize what's happening, that this society is in danger of becoming incredibly destructive. Hillary will exacerbate and accelerate that process. Uh, therefore, I, therefore, what you begin to realize is that over through the generations and the, the centuries, the Bergman has always appointed good men, leaders, because the world deserves that. They're not Rishoyim. Uh, a lot of these guys are either Anusim or Stam Shoyim, or whatever, or they fell in, they made a mistake, you know. Uh, so the version from time to time always always appoints a good leader that can help them. You find that in American history. George Washington was exceptional. wasn't perfect, you know. But imagine they offered him the presidency. He refused. He went home to do his own farming. 
Now, who does that today? You know, or Lincoln, or many of the leaders of the world, Charlemagne, 1100 years ago. Uh, there's a lot of people that were good and they really advanced mankind. Uh, why? Because that's the chesed that the Muslim does. He doesn't want to destroy his mankind. However, when you come toward the end of time, you especially need a leader, a good person, which I will get into later on why. Uh, so therefore, I believe, and it's my conviction, that the concept of Trump is that kind of leader, that he will metire America, which is what I said, he metire Edoim. Uh, and he's the guy chosen, and I feel that's why it's Gematim, Sheikh Ben David, because that, he will assist Ben David to do his job, or Ben Yosef, which I'll speak about later, and therefore that's why he's the Gematia. But he will turn America around, or else America's finished. If you get in Hillary, it's over with. You know, if you all pack up and go to Eretz Israel, because that's what's going to happen, and so on, you know. And therefore I believe that there's a Tahar of Edoim, which is about to happen, and therefore that will be the scenario. Uh, basic, uh, basically, so, and I think this is a very important idea. But I got that. Right. Uh, what does all this mean? In a certain, I need to give you a framework of this. It's a little kabbalistic, so you'll bear with me. But you need to have a framework of what all this means. We know that there are four expressions in the Torah: toyu, voyu, and sohim. Four expressions, words that the Torah uses. What are these for? So uh, the Medrash says, well, because uh, there's a thing called a klipa. What is a klipa? A klipa is fundamentally a force that tries to obscure ruchnius, enoid mavadoi. And it does that in many, many different ways. But it's fundamentally a force or an environment that tries to obscure what, ruch, what the real bria is, who the Rebunsham is, and so on. Uh, and there are four terms, and they all refer to these four forces, which means that there's really four forces, and they're all under the rubric or the term called Klippa. Four of them. Important idea. Toyu, Vayu, Choshech, and Tzahoyim. Uh, those are the four types or parts of what's called the Klippa, which is the force that seeks to cloud the vision of man and to destroy him in that sense. And there are four types, okay? How do we understand the concept of these four terms? What does it mean? Well, take a look at the term, and you'll understand four different types of environments that we can find ourselves in. All of them, uh, all of them try to, to obstruct and obscure the concept of what the real Bria is, and so on. The first one is called Tayo. Toyu is confusion. That's what Rashi says. All of a sudden you look at it and you're like confused. What does it mean? It means that you're found in a time when you have Ruchmias, right, and Gashmias at the same time. So you're confused. You don't know what's good. You have evil and let's say Toyv, Ruchmias and Gashmias, it's all hitting you at the same time. Okay? So you don't know which way to go. You don't know which one's right because they all make sense. That is Toyu. Voyu is basically the absence of Ruchnias. And it's really the promotion of Gashmias. Real materialism. Then you have Choshech. Okay. So remember, there's, when both exist at the same time, in the same place, that's Toyu. Voyu is called emptiness. 
And the emptiness is what? Is when there is no real ruchnius that's gone. It's basically all pleasure and, and, and materialism and so on. Then the third obscurity is when a, a framework of reality is presented, which is the exact opposite of, of, of ruchnius. There's an alternative reality. What does that mean, for instance, you know? There is no God, chas v'shalom. No, it's just science. You don't need God, you have science. That type of, in other words, when the world is an environment which has removed ruchnius and has substituted an alternative belief system, you see, that's chishach darkness. It's interesting. And that's why it's true darkness. Because not only is there no ruchnius, not only, right, not only is it, it's, it's, not only is there, is there no ruchnius and gashmas together, and there's no ruchnius, there's mamash another system that claims to have the real belief, which is anti-Torah, anti the whole hashkof of Torah. And the last klipa, which is time, the sea, because the sea is huge, wide, that is when the third klipa, called choshech, spreads throughout the entire world. Those are basically the four different types of situations, environments, or circumstances that these forces try to promote. All of them, obviously, are trying to get you not to do the Ratzon and not to do any mitzvahs. Got it? Important. Therefore, there are four. Remember, and they represent the four creepers. These are also named in Yechezkel by the Maisim Merkava. Very important. In order for... Uh, are, these, are these four types of creepers that you find, or is it... If you, any time there's a creep that'll fall into one of these four categories? Yeah, basically, yeah. Now, Yechezkel, in order for a Navi to do his Navua, most people don't know, really know what a Navi is. What a Navi is, is that he would meditate and, and utter certain Shemus. It's called Yehudim of Shemus. And you had to go to school for this. It was a whole program of what to do. Okay, so what he would do, is he would go to school, they have that's what they really were, and he would learn how to be a Novi, which means he would learn an incredible, he would have to develop Midas, Tzitkos, uh, it's a whole program and so on. But in terms of the <coughs> intellectual aspect, he would develop how, what the Yehudim are, what the divine names that he had to meditate on, you see? And how would he proceed? What happens, he would remain here, because he's not leaving anywhere, right? What he would do is close his eyes, okay, shut them, and all of a sudden, by beginning to meditate on these names, he would automatically cease to experience any outside senses. Everything shuts down. Where he's completely oblivious of the outside world. And it's imposed, it's forced. And immediately he would see in his imagination, because we all have imaginations, right? And we're able to develop pictures in our imagination. Right? Maris and so on. He would automatically begin to see visions. And those visions are from the Olamas Elyonim, whatever, and so on. But before he went through that, Rabbi Chaim Batal says, interesting, in Shari Kedusha, he would have to go through the Olam of the Klippas. Wow. To get to the Ruchnias, he'd have to go through the Klippas. You see? So he would see four, what's called the four worlds of the Klippas. You see? And they are described in Yechezkel. And by the way, why are there four? Because there are four worlds of Ruchnias. There's, uh, there's uh, Abiyah, Atzilas, Briah, Yitzira, and Asiyah. So therefore, connect that, because Zel, Zel, Uma, Zeh, Boral, Kim, you'll have the four words of the Klippah. Anyway. Were simultaneous as he went through them, or were they... No, one sound. He went first to the Klippahs. First to the Klippahs, and then to the And then he went to the Kedusha. Yeah, to the, and so on. 
so, so that's why it says when Yechezkel, the vision he saw, what he was doing was really ascending, not physically, but through his, uh, through, uh, his imagination and so on. He saw the, uh, the different worlds of the Klippa uh, and, and so on. So the first world he saw was the worst of them all. It's called Ruach Sa'ara, stormy wind. Uh, that's the worst. That, that's the equivalent of, you know, forget it. I mean, it just, there's zero presence of the Rebbe in that world. Not only zero, but it's a complete opposite of Ruchnis to Gabriya. Then he would go, that's Ruach Sa'ara, stormy wind. You look at Cheskel, see it there. But now I'm telling you what it is. Uh, the second world he would go, it's called Onungadl, a big cloud. Okay, and that was a complete obscurity, right, of the Emes. The third creeper he would go through, it's getting, it goes from the worst, better and better, until you get out. The third world he would go is called Eshmas Lakachas, a flashing fire. It means it's fire, it's light, and it's flashing. Okay, which means it's getting closer to the truth, right, but it's still a creeper. It's still an enormous amount of obscurity. And the last world he would go through, which is the easiest of the clippers or forces, is called Noiga. Noiga means brightness, which means automatically there's already the ore. It's still a clipper. The interesting thing, interesting thing about it is that in the Osset Lavoy, all three are destroyed. The only one that's allowed to survive and becomes transformed is called the clip of Noiga, brightness. Where it's actually a keeper that is transformed into toiv. The rest are destroyed, and that is salvaged and pre-transformed into toiv. Okay, that's Yecheskel's, and he went through all of them in order to get to the higher worlds and actually be a novi and see what's called the Maisima Kova. Okay, this is called Nevuah 101. <laughs> okay, uh, and, and so on. Fine. Now. So I told you what the four terms are. I told you what they mean. I told you what the terms are in terms of the world of the Kippas, right? Now you have to say that, why do we have to be exiled in four nations? Babylon. Babylon, right? Persia, Greece, and Rome. Why four? Okay. And actually there are four goals, but there really was five. The first goals was Mitzrayim. Egypt was a land that had all four Kippas in it. They had the environment, all four environments in it. Then, because the Jews were, they were successful to a certain extent, but because of the Chet Egel, as I spoke, they, re, they went back into the Klippa, the Zoyama, whatever, and therefore they had to now go through individually four different Klippas. Each kingdom is a Klippa, represents one environment. The first environment is what? It's Bovel, Babylon. What does that mean? What is Bovel? Bovel was an interesting place. Bovel was incredibly spiritual. <coughs> If you, go to, if you go to Iraq, which is the old Babylon, right? You see statues all over the place, gods and statues and so on. The problem was, it was all over the Zorah. It's funny, you know, a guy who's over the Zorah is really Ruchni. Because he believes, it's, as, as bizarre as that sounds, but the problem is, he believes in his spiritual domain. The problem is, it has nothing to do with God. You see, it's all over the Zorah. But it's a mishmash. You know, hey, make up your mind. How can you believe in another world, a meta world, which is Ruchni, he picked out the wrong being. So, Bovel is what? Is both. You have Ruchnis and Avodizor at the same time. That's Babylon. <coughs> then you have with Persia. Poros. Persia was a place, even though it had deities, but the essence of Persia was incredible materialism. 
Persia was a place of incredible materialism. I mean, you can begin to understand why Achishverosh would make a Suda, what, for 150, whatever, you know, what? Yeah, it's, you know, why is he out of his mind? Because that's what they did. You know, to them it was all about eating. You know? And so on. You know, that's Persia. Then the, la- the next keeper, so that's Toyo, emptiness. Then you come to Choshech, which is an alternative system, that's Greece. Science, philosophy, this is all, not that it's Kenegatera, but it's used Kenegatera to justify an alternative system of belief. That you don't need God because you have physics, you have science, what do we need God for to explain the world? We know science and so on. So therefore Greek introduced an alternative reality, an alternative framework of understanding reality. That's Greece, you see. And then of course there's Rome, which is time. Rome didn't machadish much. It really took Greek civilization and spread it throughout the planet because they conquered the entire world. So they were the worst Tahoim because they used Greece, which is Choshech, and they spread it all over. You see, so these four civilizations actually uh, demonstrate the four clippers. You see that? Okay, that's great. Now... Where am I going with this? Good question. Ah, here's where I'm going. Let's talk of today's time. I mentioned before that Edoim, Esau, Esau, the Torah says Esau, is Edoim. The Gemara says Edoim is Rome, right? We know Rome is Christianity, and Christianity is Western civilization. And we know that Esau, I had mentioned before, has three different aspects of his personality that are terrible. One is his incredible Bagaiva, Unbelievably arrogant, yes. The second aspect of Esau is what? Is that he is uh, taiva, uh, not taiva, uh, fraud. He's impasta, mrama bepe, right? He's a fraud. Do I have to give my son salt? We know it's incredible impasta. He's a fraud. He's a faker. That's the second aspect of Esau. And the third aspect of Esau is about taiva. Incredibly into taiva and so on. Okay. Therefore, I had mentioned that Western civilization has three of those characteristics. First characteristic is what? Is the Gaiva Vesav. And who is the Gaiva Vesav? Which aspect of Western civilization? And the answer, it is Russia. Because Russia is Edom, because of the Russian Orthodox Church, which is Christianity and Western civilization. But it's Russia in the worst possible form called communism. Communism, which is completely atheistic, is the worst clipper of Edoim, okay, and um, uh, which is atheistic. One, I mentioned that the fraud of Esau, in a certain extent, is who is Europe. Europe is Christian, but they killed an incredible amount of Eden. I mean, not that Russia was under communism, you know, how many people they killed. I mean, what, what's his name? Uh, Khrushchev, I think he killed, I forgot, uh, 10, uh, 10, over 10 million Ukrainians. It's beyond belief what these guys kill when they get the, when they get into their mind what they kill and so on. You know, and then Europe, which professes belief in in Ruchni's spirituality, their guy and so on and so forth. Yeah, we can we can begin to know the amount of Jews that were killed in what in the pogroms, right? The Crusades, the expulsions, right? The Holocaust. I mean, it's beyond belief what they did. And then you have America, which is the land of Taiva, right? America is the Toivshe Beisov. Remember I mentioned that. It's a good part of Esau. That's what America is. It's Esau, Edom, but it's a good part. 
And we know, I told you that the good part of Esav is what? Keep it over aim? Right? That was the good part of Esav. Well, the only country in the world, I think, basically, that has Mother's Day and Father's Day is America. Because that's the good part of Esav. And when you take a look at the world, then you begin to understand what's happening in this is in the end of time, the Bershom brings down Edom. And he told that uh, by Yaakov Avinu when he saw the ladder. So he saw all the goals is going, going up and so on. And he saw Edom is going up and up and up. Hey, it's not coming down. So Bershom said, don't worry, I will bring Edom down. What does that mean? It's not all of Edom that the Bershom will bring down. He's going to bring down the worst aspects of Edom, right? And you have to remember also, every clipper itself has those four in it. For instance, you know, the worst part, let's say, which is Ruach Sa'ora, right? A stormy wind. That itself has the four parts. Because they have gradations in each one itself, you see. So therefore, Edom has those four parts. Okay. So if you look at it, what are the four parts? And the Bershom is destroying them, which is interesting. Communism, he destroyed they're gone. There's no communism anymore. There's still Russia, the dictatorship. But that dictatorship is not communist. He destroyed communism. That was the worst part of the clip of Edom, which we are in, and he destroyed the worst part. Besides that, okay, he also destroyed the czars, because they were terrible. How many Jews they killed, what the czars did, the pogroms, it's just beyond belief. Government-sponsored pogroms, it was just incredible. So these two ideas many ways are the worst aspects of Esau. You could say that they're the Ruach Sora, you know, actually uh, the communism is the Ruach Sora, it's the greatest because it completely removes God from anything, you know, and so on. And then under the Tsars, which was terrible for the Jews, the Russians were unbelievably anti-Semitic, and so on. So you could say that was the second Klippa. The third Klippa, right, is Europe. Europe is being destroyed, well, as we watch. Europe is being destroyed. So it's interesting to watch how the Bosham is destroying Edom, but the three Klippas. Okay? What he's not destroying, and that's what I want to bring in current events, okay, is Edom, America, which is Noiga. You see? Because America, which is the Toif of, is the Noiga which will be transformed into Toif. And I believe that Trump is going to transfer the Noiga of America, right? into a Medina that the Jews can flourish for a specific reason, which I will mention later on. Okay? So what I want to do is show you that Edom is being destroyed because there are four parts of Edom, and there's really three, but each one represents really four. One of the Russia's czar and communism, those are two distinct phases of Russia. And they, are, they were destroyed. Uh, Europe is being destroyed as we watched beyond belief what is happening because of the immigration and now that Britain left it's going to wipe out the, the value Britain, the European Union is now much weaker than it used to be and if other countries begin to leave that's the end of the European Union and so on so when, wherever you look Europe is really on the way down and so on you know the only one that's going to flourish apparently is America because America represents Liga and so on that will flourish uh, I have a thought which is interesting that maybe Russia under Putin is also Noiga. Interesting. I give a whole shit on that. But uh, that he was, that, that, that what the Bunchman has done is taken that aspect of Russia, and because Putin is not communist, he's just a dictator. But I mentioned in a whole bunch of Shurim before that, this guy is incredible in terms of his feeling for Jews. 
And I believe he, and I mentioned why, that he and, and Trump will raise Edom, that aspect of Edom, Edom, which is the aspect of the clip of Nega in Edom, and they will raise it. So I'm trying to give you what's called a, a Kabbalistic or you know some type of a Hashkofa framework in terms of what's happening based on the ideas of what they represent. Okay? Great. Now, last week I talked about something which is critical to the Messianic era. And it's something which I believe is going to transpire in the next 15 years. I talked about the Orishan, the Messianic light. <clears throat> now, you look at it and say, Messianic light, like, what do we have to do with the Messianic light? The problem is that we don't realize that the whole purpose of the Bria is to bring back the Messianic light. There is not, everything else is not irrelevant, but it's subsidiary to the Or Mashiach, because that is the Or Hagonas. It's called the Orishan, the first light, the Or Hagonas, the concealed light, and the Or Mashiach. That is critical. And that is the Torah of the Mashiach, is what we are supposed to see. You can ask yourself, what is the, what exactly is the Orishan? Uh, in terms of its intensity. I want to tell you something. We have no idea of what this is going to be. And I will quote you the Medrash Rabbah at the end of Kohelas. And what it says is something astounding. Here's what it says. And I had mentioned this in the other shul. The Orishan, the Or Mashiach, that the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, as he gave it to us in the second Lucas, which is what? This, all this form, it's Bavli, Rishalmi, Rishayinim, Akroinim, Shadis and Shuvas. It's everything, Midrashim, that we have, right? The Medrash says that this Torah which we have, which is what? <clears throat> Hundreds of thousands of volumes, right? Is Hevel compared to the Or Mashiach. Hevel. What is Hevel? Hevel is Luft. That the Or Mashiach really, that the, the Torah that we have is is empty. It's not even a substance compared to the Or Mashiach. Which is astounding because the Or Mashiach is what? Is what we will experience in Elim Hazer. Forget about Elim Habo. You know? So what it means is that we are going to experience an, an or, a light, or a Yediyah, a Hasoga of Torah and the Rabbi Islam, which is not comprehensible. And we are talking about physical reality. I'm not talking about spiritual reality, which begins after the year 2240 and the year 6000, right? I'm not even talking about that. Uh, and that's what it means, Kimor or Deo, that the world will be filled with the knowledge of God. You know, so if you think, well, it means a little more, a little, a little more information. Information? Uh, we cannot comprehend what heaven is. You know, it's, imagine if you want to compare the substance called air, compared to this. Is there a comparison? No. This is the Torah we have today. This is the Torah of the Mashiach. And this is what? Five years? Ten years? Fifteen years? You, you realize what that means? It's awesome what's going to happen when the Mashiach comes. But that presents an incredible problem as we will speak about. And I told you why. Because if the Mashiach comes, what's called full-blown, he will kill the entire planet. Because man cannot assimilate that type of Hasogo. You can't. It would kill everybody. 
which I told you before is exactly what happened. When the Barsham gave the first two mitzvahs, the Luchas Rishonis, right? What was the level of hasaga of those two mitzvahs that God gave? Obviously it was Nevuah, but it wasn't just Nevuah, because the Torah has those first two mitzvahs from the fact that Barsham gave it to Kleinsvall, not from Moshe Rabbeinu. Those two mitzvahs was given at the level of hasaga comprehension, called the Omishiach. What happened to them? They all died. Therefore, if that is revealed to mankind, they will, it will kill everybody. It will kill the Jews, it will kill the Goyim, right? It will be nobody left to give anything to. Well, what does that mean for us, or everybody? It means preparation. And that's how you have to understand what is happening in world history. So I'm now going to tell you the journey or the progression or the advancement of the Orishan. They come out and see how it grows slowly and it, it tries to prepare mankind for a Chokhmah which is beyond comprehension in the physical world. And then now you will understand the last thousand years of history that really a great deal of it, not all of it, is ill-marked to do this, to bring the Orishan down and not to kill everybody. Got it? And remember one thing, it's not just the Orishan that will be in the Mirs Mashiach. It will be a level of spirituality that you cannot comprehend. Everybody in Klaius will be a Navi. And it will be nothing to access Navua. All you have to do is take a seat, close your eyes, and there it is. You are now looking to the upper Elomus with incredible ease. So not only will the Chochmah of the Priya be advanced, but the ruchnis of the priya, the ability to transcend and tap into, connect, that type of reality will be incredibly easy. How can the world do that? You take a look at what's going on in the world and say, this is what's going to be able to experience that? It's like, how, how's that possible? And remember, we're not talking about something that's going to be 200, right? Between now and the end of time is 224 years left. I told you that the world ends in 2240, which is the English year, um, 2240, which is the Hebrew year 6000. We only have 224 years to go. That's nothing. You know, what's 224 years? To prepare. And the Mashiach has to come before and end his reign. Right? So we're looking at something that could happen in 10 years. How can you introduce this in 10 years or 15 years? You see? Clearly then, we need an incredible preparation for that uh, exposure to this Ruchnius and this Hasoba. Uh, uh, Most people don't think that. You know, they're all saying, well, we want Mashiach now. What do you want Mashiach now? Yeah, yeah. Sure, Mashiach now, you'd be dead. You'd be dead if he came. And that's exactly what happened by uh, Martin Taylor. They all died. So what are you talking about? You know, so what they really mean is we want Mashiach and be able to tolerate it also, you know, and so on. But the real question is, how is the Bershom going to pull it off? Because he knows what's going to happen, you see. And that's what we're looking at now, which I'm going to explain. The whole concept of the preparation of the Om Mashiach, which is critical, I believe, which has to happen in terms of preparation, and I believe that the whole concept of the, the Tahara of America, the rise of America, which is the Klippas, which is Neugav, Edoim, has to transform into a whole different type of situation that the, Jew, that, that the Jews can now flourish in that situation and receive that. 
and, and so on. So I'm, what I'm trying to do is place current events in a certain, you know, astonishing way within the whole uh, panorama of the entrance of a Mashiach and the entrance of an entire different way of looking reality. Now you begin to see the logic of what I'm saying. This isn't just in a guessing game and say, well, uh, Trump, how do you know and all this? No. There's an incredible scenario that's about to burst on the world and you need a Tahara of Edoin because the Jews live with an Edoin. And you need a Tahara, not only an Edoin, you need Tahara of the Erev Rav in Eretz Yisrael, the Reform, the Conservative. You need Tahara, or else Jews cannot come back to God. As long as these aspects of Tumor exist, you can't do that. And the problem is you can't all of a sudden get rid of these guys, you know, and all of a sudden bring the Mashiach, because like I said, it'll kill everybody. There has to be what's called an intermediary and preparatory time between the end of this and the beginning of that. Well, how much time do we really have? And therefore, what we are now witnessing, I believe, is the beginning of that era, is the beginning of the elevation of Edom, which is the, 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 the first idea, and I believe Trump plays a major figure. I imagine if you heard this share, you'd say, wow, I can't believe how I fit in the divine scheme. Who knows, right? Uh, but I believe that's really what it is, as strange as it sounds. Uh, because remember, it's not enough to destroy the Klippus, to destroy uh, the worst parts of Edom, right? To destroy the Air of Rav. And the Air of Rav is the Klippah of, of Judaism against Torah and so on. It's not enough. You need what's called an intermediary time, which is the preparatory time, in order to be able to makabal an ore of that type of ore, which is Mashiach. Or else it can never be. I'm not even talking about, uh, you know, the ore of Ilm Habo. That same medrash, by the way, it says, you got to hear this medrash, to complete that medrash. Not only is the Torah of Moshe which is everything we have, Hevel, compared to the Or Mashiach, which is in the physical world. I mean, it's ot ot, as they say in Yiddish, right? But the Medrash continues and says that the Torah of Or Mashiach is Hevel compared to the Torah of Ilm Habo. Believe this? It's like, what is this? It's astounding what the Barsham has ready for Klai Yisrael and for whoever Zoycher, Goyim, even Goyim, to whoever Zoycher to Ilm Habo. What will happen in Olam Habo, I know you also. We cannot, and we're not getting into what will happen in Olam Habo, but we cannot comprehend the Hasoga, the life knowledge, and the experience of what it means to be alive in Olam Habo. You know, I, I think if the Bansham showed you Olam Habo, whatever, I think that would destroy your Bechira. That's the end of Bechira. Because that kind of a life, you know, if he showed you the old Mashiach, the messianic light, right? It would destroy your Bechira. Totally. Because it's something beyond comprehension. And it's exhilarating. It's unbelievable. You know? Uh, and, and so on. So therefore, what, what is happening now, I believe we are, about a bit, we are now about to enter, we are leaving the time of the Klippa, as I said, and we are now entering the concept of preparation. Preparation for the O Mashiach, and I will show you that that's exactly what happened by Matan Without that preparation, and as it was that Jews died, but there was an incredible preparation for the Jews to go from Memtesh Shari Tumah to Nun Shari Bina, 
which is the Luchas Rishonis. Look what they, they had to traverse. And as it is, they basically didn't make it. And there were reasons for that. But anyway, so if, if, if they who were greater than us in the sense they had Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, they had Am, or Amram, and you had Levi, I mean, you had all these incredible tzaddikim. You know, if they couldn't make it, then what are we going to say? So we clearly need an incredible preparatory time. So in order to understand that, you need to understand what's called the, uh, the history for the last thousand years, which I will go, you, go through you, and you'll be startled by what is really the preparation for Omashiach in actual historical events. And once you understand the principle, you immediately understand the nature of the historical event. It becomes obvious. And there's certain things that will be shocking in terms of what's about to happen. But remember, we are now about to do that, and I will just give you one idea to introduce, and then, because I'll have to next time do the uh, complete, I'm just sorry. It just takes time. Uh, the Zoya says that it, 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 we know that the year 1240, which is what, eight 900 years ago, right? 1240 is equivalent to the year 5000. 5000, if you remember, on the creation calendar is Thursday night, 6 o'clock. Remember, 6 days, 6,000 years, 5,000 years, 5 days, 6 day is five o'clock is uh, 6 o'clock, let's assume the hours are equal, 6 p.m. Thursday night, right, is the beginning of the Friday, which is out of Shabbos. So the, you understand the logic. So you have 12.40, which is 5,000, which is really Thursday night at 6 p.m., which is Erev Shabbos, which is the Hachon of Shabbos. So the Zoya says something which is interesting, that the old Mashiach begins to come down at that year or at that time. Zoya says this. Now, the question is why? Without going into what that means historically, why? And the answer is obvious, because Erev Shabbos is Erev Shabbos. That's the Hachon so the Achonah of the Omashiach, the preparation, began in the year 1240, which we will understand, slowly. And it began then, the Achonah, you see. And why? Because it's Erev Shabbos, and Erev Shabbos begins the preparation. Very important concept, and so on. What does that mean? If you remember the last year, or was it the year before, I don't remember myself, Amelis is what breaks the keeper. Remember I had that old year? That's the secret of Amelis, which most people have no idea, and so on. Amelis breaks the clipper, and once you break the clipper, then the all immediately comes in your head without any struggle, right? So, so therefore, what that Zoya is telling you that the Amelis of Israel through the Golos and the suffering and so on, finally broke enough of the clippers to release the Orishim in a small amount, which we will understand. But it's the beginning of the end, the year 5000. And there's three things that happened in approximately that year, which is a radical departure from the history of mankind. Radical. And the reason for that, as I said, is because the, 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 the descent of the Orishim, you see, which happens on Erev Shabbos, the year 5000, which is the beginning of preparation for Shabbos, which of course is the 7,000th year, and the taste of Shabbos is really the Or Mashiach. We are getting into that, and so on. And this is what happened. So I'm just bringing you up to speed, as they say, that it finally worked in the year 1240, which is the year 5000. And then from there, you actually see the incredible uh, preparation in steps of the old Mashiach coming out in the Klai Israel. 
You see, once you have that, then you have to understand uh, what's going to happen, I think, with America and how this is going to assist the Orishan from going from preparatory to true revelation. And that's what we are in the midst of, which should be fabulous news. Okay? So what I've done now is put the whole context of current events within the context of an entire Messianic era. That's what I've done, you see. And uh, we'll have to do that next week uh, to go through the whole thing and how Bonshon is going to move the preparation and what's going to happen, which is astounding. My only hope, because remember that <clears throat> the only one who can predict what's going to happen is a Novi. Why? Because he's been told by the Bonshon. And he, even he may not be right. Why? Because if he predicts disaster, like Yoyna, it may not happen because the Bonisham is Mishanic, because the Rachman of the Bonisham. A Nevoah of destruction may not happen. A Nevoah of Toiv will happen. But a Nevoah of destruction may not, even if a Novi tells you, because there's always Rachmanus, there's Chus of people, they can always Mishana. <coughs> I told you two weeks ago what my worry is. And that's scenario. So this is scenario one. Scenario two, right, is that part of America is terribly evil. And what the whole, the immorality of America is Shreklach. And I'm always afraid because I saw that, I realized that from New Orleans. But I told you why New Orleans happened, right? Remember that, right? Why New Orleans, New Orleans happened? Who? A mini marble. A mini marble. I told you why it happened, right? Remember that year? Okay. No. Uh, well, very simply, it's because Wednesday was what's called uh, Southern Decadence Day. It's a holiday that celebrated New Orleans. What's Southern Decadence Day, you can only hear what's happening just from the word, right? It was supposed to be on Wednesday. So, Southern Decadence Day is when all acts of sexual immorality is permitted. Homosexuality. I don't even want to go into this stuff, right? It's permitted, and the cops look away. It's some type of celebration of some sort, whatever. You know, yeah, yeah, it's like the old Roman orgies, whatever you call it. You know, the old, you know, yeah, so or the Greeks, whatever, and so you know, right? That was supposed to be Wednesday, right? On Monday, two days before, Katrina hit, right? It went over the levees, right? Destroyed the levees, inundated New Orleans, destroyed New Orleans, which is amazing. Now we know. A flood is a mini marble, right? Why? Because the Bansham said, I will not tolerate the legalization, or not, it's not even legalization, because they didn't legalize this stuff. They just allowed it. I will not tolerate an entire city. He wiped them out with a mini marble, which is the same by the Dora marble, right? He wiped them out because of what they did, the homosexuality and all that kind of stuff. So I realized that the Bansham is tired of this. You can use that, Lushen that he's no longer exercising the Rachman to save a city. He will wipe out a city. And that destroyed New Orleans, basically. Why? Because of the Zima that they were going to do on Wednesday. So Monday it hit, Tuesday it destroyed the city, and obviously they did not celebrate Southern Decadence Day. But that told me that the Xero against this type of behavior is now activated. So after I, when, when the Supreme Court allowed you know, uh, you, you cannot discriminate between homosexuals and all this kind of stuff, same gender, now they even say transgender, whatever, and so on and so forth, which is incredible what's going on. It's always possible, remember, that the Jews don't have enough schus 
or the Bansham is saying, I'm not going to go, which I'm talking about scene one, I'm going to do scene two. I'm going to wipe out America or severely destroy them, severely paralyze them. You know, and you know how he's going to do that? So I once asked myself, how's he going to do that? I mean, as it is, we're experiencing extreme weather, correct? Okay, yeah, but that's local stuff. But the, he can easily destroy America. You know how? Hillary. Hillary can destroy America. A bad leader, an evil, corrupt leader, right, can easily destroy a country. In fact, that's the problem of the whole world. Every country that has a dictator that's evil is, is, is bankrupt or it's on the way down. I mean, look at Venezuela. It's, it's like beyond belief what's happening to that, to that country. They, they, well, anyway, uh, you know, all he has to do is appoint Hillary and she'll destroy America. Like I told you, the debt, uh, corruption, uh, every trade deal that's bad for America, immigration, she'll mock the 19 million illegal immigrants. They'll take, I mean, I, it's, it's a whole litany of things that can destroy America. Mm -hmm. And she will continue to do what Obama did, which is destroy America. That's fundamentally what his job was, and so on. And that's how the Bernard can be managed America. That is scenario two, and it may happen. We, we don't know, you know, between the Bezdin and the Milo, what they're doing up there, you know. I guarantee you there's an awesome Bezdin up there. Yes, scenario one, or scenario two. You know, what should we do? Matar Edoim, or destroy Edoim? Roshan is before after the election. What? Roshan is before after the election. is before the elections, yeah. Uh, so you can't predict, and... You see, that, that this is the problem, you know. So I, I can just place in front of you two scenes. The the framework, the logic, and so on. I feel, feel that scenario one is going to win. However, who knows what scenario two is going to do, you know. And you never know. So as far as I'm concerned, if Hillary becomes president, it's all the way downhill. If Trump becomes president, it's the beginning of... But I want to tell you, either way we'll bring the Mashiach, don't get me wrong. The question is which, which path, and so on, you know, is it method A or method B? Uh, I, I think I have a gut feeling of method A and not method B, but it could be method B. If she wins, you're looking at it for a terrible time with America. The reason why, one of the reasons why I think it will not be method B, I'll tell you why. Part of the reason, I'll tell you the rest later, is because if America goes, the entire world will collapse. Because America is the world. It has all the consumers. It's the currency. It's the financials. I mean, the whole world really waits for America. It's obvious, you know. The incredible thing is Obama doesn't even recognize that. And he could change the world for good. And so on. And uh, therefore, if America goes... I mean, look at the world now. Weren't there always world leaders? Yes, but threat, most of them are what? They're corrupt or they're anti-Semitic or the despots, dictators. I mean, just take a look at the world. I'm saying there were, throughout history, there was always one nation that was the world leader. Yeah, well, yeah, it was always but a they, world but power. They, but then they died. Because they were corrupt, yeah. But, but the world didn't collapse because of it. No, but they, no, no, no. Don't compare Rome in its day and America in its day. Today, everything is connected. Everything. Rome in its day, yeah, they were conquerors. And, they, and the reason why Rome conquered everybody was one. They were not anti-Semitic. They just wanted money, tribute. Okay. Uh, it's all about cash. It's, that's what it's all about. That's why they were conquered and so on. But the fall of Rome didn't affect their province. It, it, yeah, because there's no internet, there's no banking system, there's nothing. I mean, you know, so they fall. Okay, it doesn't affect another country. It doesn't affect their agriculture. Most of the world was agricultural. You know what I'm saying? They still grow their crops, even if they're not around.
today, like I always say, you know, how do we know that Japan will not attack attack America today? What started World War Two, right? We had Germany, right? The Axis powers, right? Germany, Italy, which is zero today. It's interesting that Russia was destroying Italy uh, because of the Pope. But uh, it's interesting. But Japan, how do we know that Japan will not attack America? There can never be a Pearl Harbor. You know how we know? Because they own half the United States. Don't they? You have any idea how much Japan owns in the United States? Or how much China owns? You know? So why would they make war with their own property? The world is so connected today that nobody could afford a war. You can't have a world war anymore, really, because everybody owns everybody else. Or the economies are, t- are tied. Everything is tied today. So a war against one country means the destruction of yourself, you see. Therefore, that <coughs> won- will not happen anymore. So the problem is if America falls or really goes down much worse, the entire world will go with it. And I do not believe that is a scenario that is inviting or conducive to the entrance of the Orishan. Even, for the, even, if, even as a retaliation against the Zemo? So. Correct, yeah. There are other ways to retaliate against Zemo. But I do not believe, I hope I'm right, that Bunch will not destroy America. If he destroys America, he fundamentally destroys the world. If America goes into a depression, everybody follows. Everybody. That, that's, it's over. Then the dollar crashes. I mean, no dollar. You know that most of the reserve currency of the world is the dollar? I mean, most nations don't have gold. What do they have? They have dollars, which are backed by gold. Ha ha. Right? <laughs> Believe me, the dollar's not backed back by gold. That's a long, that's an old-time myth. I, uh, some of it is, but, you know. So if, the dollar, if America crashes, it means the dollar crashes. Right? The dollar crashes, that means all those countries that have their revenue, their, their income in dollars, they crash. Right? So everybody crashed. That means nobody has any money to buy anything anymore. Switzerland? Nah, after they took all that money out of the banks, what do they have? How? The IRS forced the Switzerland to reveal everybody. So I guarantee everybody took their money out of Switzerland and put them who knows where. You know, some other Switzerland, you know? You know, Switzerland is nothing near what it used to be. That's an earnest to Switzerland, because what they did was how much money of Jews they stole. But, uh, but that, the problem is that the dollar crashes, which is really... If America loses its credit rating because they owe $80 trillion, not unfunded, but really, right? Nobody wants American dollars anymore. It's worthless. You know, they say after Germany was destroyed after World War II, you know, if you wanted to buy a Mickey Mouse watch, you had to have 80 million francs or something like that. Not Franks, uh, Deutsche Graf, Marx, and so on. So it was worthless. Or the greatest, the, the greatest depression of war was Zimbabwe. I think it, it cost you in order to buy a loaf of bread, you had to spend two, two billion Zimbabwe dollars to buy a loaf of bread. You know, I, I, it's a joke. You know, uh, uh, so that's why America cannot fall. Besides, that type of destruction, which is global, will not happen because now, because of the interconnectedness between everything. You know, and that cannot be a conducive way to bring the Mashiach. As you will see, the only way the Orishan can come is in, a, is in a, a situation of tremendous peace and tranquility. Because transformation cannot take place in a time which is catastrophic, tragic, persecutory. You can't. You can't transform from A to B in that type of a situation. You're too busy trying to survive. Therefore, the world has to achieve a certain amount of tranquility and peace. Within that situation, this could happen. So therefore, you can't do that to America. On the contrary, to create that situation, which you'll understand soon, 
you need to have that America has to be elevated to a tremendous state you see anyway there it is so we can still hold on to our bank accounts dollars <laughs> okay any questions wow either all of you completely disagreed with me and you don't even want to bother telling me or you bought everything well, whatever it is next week I'm going to go into the whole history of the origin and you're going to find incredible it's astounding when you begin to understand that from the framework of the ore which is really what the Bunshin wants to do and then we're going to talk about the real preparation of how the Mashiach has to enter and what does that have to do with uh, the world and so on and that's really the proper way to look at world history what can I tell you? the way the Bible explained to you about what is the interest threat exactly to say I'm going to turn the world back to tell you about no, he said that if they're not Makabal the Torah. He didn't say that. Well, you mean, matter of fact, that's what will happen if you don't accept the Torah. Yeah, because then... Which means that the world will be restored to chaos. It means there's no by, point. By matter, just, but not, by not taking the Torah, it should change the doctrine that way. Just by not having the Torah, that's what it is. That, that's certainly... Well, that's certainly what it is, but there's no justification for the kingdom of the Bria. Basically, that's what it is. Okay. <clears throat> Am I what? What'd you say? What? Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be after. Well, something has to happen after to reverse it. Whatever, whatever that is. No, 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 it, it has to be reversed. It doesn't vanish. Nothing vanishes. It's reversed and that's how it vanishes. But there has to be some political event that will do that. It's somehow, yeah. But I don't believe, I don't, I, I don't, I do not, am I still on? Where's my makeup? No, I'm joking around. Uh, I, I still, um, uh, I don't believe it'll happen. Like I said, it's not going to happen that way. In terms of, the, 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 because there are certain prerequisites to bring the Mashiach, that cannot be one of them, really. I mean, a bunch of could do it, and he obviously can do whatever he wants, and provide, look, he's infinite, so he can provide whatever mechanism he wants, but the way it looks now, uh, look, remember, last July, I took a look at Trump, and I said, wait a minute, this guy comes out of nowhere, and he's knocking out 16 heavyweights for the presidency. How? What is this? Just to make him feel good? No. So you have to recognize that you're looking at a nest nigla. Because it never happened. In fact, all the pundits, the experts, they have no hasaga. They're all shocked. You know You know what it's like? Even more so haboinim, how you saw the Rosh Pino. Remember the Intilim? That's right. What does it say there, you know? Even more so haboinim. The stone, the cornerstone that the builders despised, that became the cornerstone. And that's really what's happening. The Bosham always does that way. He takes a guy, am I still on? He always takes a situation that nobody will expect, nothing, and it becomes the end. Does that all the time. So he took a guy, he didn't take a politician, right? He didn't take a guy who is known and all that kind of stuff. He's got years and years of political experience or an establishment guy. No. He took somebody completely away from everything. A businessman. That has nothing to do with politics. In fact, he manipulated the system. 
and he allowed him to show his koyach. He beat 16 heavyweights. Each one of these guys are either governors, congressmen, senators. I mean, each one of these guys can be president of the United States. They had incredible resumes. How does this beat that? That's the nest. You need, and people don't understand that. So in the beginning, they just laughed at it. You know, he's the clown act in the nomination process. You know, uh, but they're fools. They don't look at the Nisim. That's why you realize that what, what, what's happening with Trump replicates, in many ways, the same type of device that the Bosham always does, when in many ways it's messianic. He takes a zero, and he becomes the Melech. Not that Trump is the Melech, but to Matar Edoim, he's going to take a, a guy who's, not, of course Trump is known, he, he has to go through Teva, but he's going to take a guy who has nothing to do with politics, except that he manipulated politics as a businessman. And he's going to beat, you know, if he, let me tell you something, if Trump beat one guy, I can hear it. I can hear it, you know. If he beat two guys, okay, that's not an S. Sixteen guys, I mean, you have any idea what that is? These guys were incredible. Each one, many of them were Ish MS. I've never seen such a lineup. They were men of, Ben Carson, a tremendous man of truth, about Seichel, a good man. You know, all of these guys, I'm not talking about, that, look, everybody has character flaws, right? You know, uh, or, 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 or even what's his name, Rubio, Marco Rubio. He's a bright guy, a good guy, and he's an Ishtoiv. You know, a Cruz is Zicha good guy. Cruz, Cruz is an outstanding guy, brilliant guy, and so on. You know, a, se a, a senator, he was the attorney general of Texas, come on, how do you win against these guys? Right? Scott Walker, who was an Ish MS, and he beat all the unions. It's a, it's a, each one of these guys were formidable. And a guy from nowhere knocks him out? What is that? That is the handwriting of God telling you, watch what I'm about to do. Because even Moasu Haboinim, Whenever the Bonisha wants to be matire, really matire, right? Tahara, right? He will always try to pick somebody that you'd never guess will do it, right? And it's Zichatru in Yiddishkeit, it's true of Mashiach. But anybody who will assist that process, generally it's also true. And that I realized last July. And everybody else thought it was a clown. And boy, was I right. Not only did he beat them all, <coughs> forget about his tactics. It has to be a Teva way. It's got to be a way he did it. You know, he can't just say, okay. And all of a sudden, everybody says, you are the guy. No, no. Yeah, he belittled them. He degraded them. Ah, whatever he did, right? But in the end, he won. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Jeb Bush, everybody was betting on Jeb Bush. At $100 million in his kitty, as they say, right? You can't beat that, right? And he tshmetted Jeb Bush. Killed him. You know, just because he called him low-energy Jeb? You know, so what? You know, he killed Bush, Marco, Cruz. He uh, killed them all. Why? How? Evan Marso Haboinam. Because his job is to matter America. And there's an incredible ketrugim against uh, Trump. He doesn't realize they're after him in Shemayim. Not the Tzara Toiv, but the Tzara Ra. And I told you, with that whole group <coughs> of prosecuting attorneys in heaven, there's the Malach of Yishmael, 
and boy is he after him. Because Obama, his man, his man, it's his Ishmael, you know? And now he's going to put up, so at least, what's her name? Hillary, <coughs> she's not, she's what's called a, she's a quasi Ishmael, because she was going to support all his policies. They're all after him. That's why, that's why, and of course, what the Sultan is doing is marshalling all his forces, which is the media, the establishment, right? And the Hamoinam, right? Uh, to go against Trump, because everybody's after him. But the Rav is laughing at all this. And what does it say right after that? You can only explain this because it's from God. This is astounding to watch. That's it. He is the Mekayim, uh, that person can tell him. Why? Because he's part of the process of a messianic entrance to be Mechem Klai's rule for the end. There you are. Just have to keep your eyes and ears open and know some Hashkaf.